The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 18. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Eustus, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved, beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea. And say to our Eurycopus, see that you complete the task that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I wonder uh, if... Uh, someone was to look at your life, uh, what would your friends or family say you are devoted to? If you came with someone, uh, why, why don't you tell them what you think you see them as being devoted to? If you didn't come with someone, there's someone around you, why don't you tell them what you think people might say you are devoted to?
So this is an interactive section where you're talking amongst each other. <laughs> what would people say you are devoted to? When my kids were in uh, kindergarten, they, they used to bring home these little posters and the kindergarten teachers would ask the kids all these questions about you. Well, what's dad devoted? It was usually around Father's Day. What's dad devoted to? What does he like doing? Where does he spend all of his time? It's really interesting to see uh, the observation of a kid. Can you remember any of those, Hamish? What was one of them? Dad's favourite thing to do is to go to work. And, and so it's this nervous little moment where the, the kids, because kids tell things as they are. And God really wants us to approach him like kids. And so well, if kids see what is reality before them, maybe there's truth in that statement. Uh, we would all like to think uh, we presenting ourselves in a way that we would like others to perceive us but when we get that kind of reflection of truth it reminds us of what we're actually communicating in reality what we are devoted to uh, Paul has been uh, we've been looking at Colossians and Paul has been writing to the the church in Colossae with a bunch of things that he wants them to be uh, devoted to some information he wants them to know uh, the kind of life he wants them to live in Christ and he, he gave them some warnings and some encouragements and these are some things he wants to leave them with he, he finishes uh, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with thanksgiving uh, why, do, why does he say this verse 2 he, he says it and so if you're following along in the Bible we're on page 958 in these red pew Bibles well, why does he say devote yourselves to prayer because prayer is the engine room of the Christian faith not just for leaders but for all people if you want to be connected to God and on board with what God is doing the engine room where that happens is that place of devotion to prayer uh, at the end of my life, I would love someone to be able to fill out that survey and say, uh, Randall was devoted to prayer. Uh, at the moment, I don't think that would be the answer. I wonder if that's the answer that someone will give about you. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, maybe it's not seen. It doesn't need to be seen. But this is the calling to us. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Why keeping alert in it? Uh, because it's not just a bring all your requests before God and uh, lay out your list before God. It's actually be listening to God. Keep alert. Be aware of how God may be wanting to shape or direct you in prayer, how he may be wanting to shape or direct you in, in life so that you can partner with him. Uh, we're, we're instructed to do it with thanksgiving. That is, uh, remember not just your requests before God or the problems that you want to bring to him, but be thankful for all the good things that he's done before us. And so straight up, Paul wants us to be a people that are devoted to prayer. Uh, secondly, he says, well, you know, pray also for me. <laughs> pray for us as well that God will do this and that we may do this. So pray that God will open uh, to us a door for the word, that is so that they can bring the good news about Jesus, that we may declare the mystery of Christ that is 
something that is mysterious needs to be made clear. So Paul is wanting to declare the mystery of Christ for which he is in prison. So he sees his purpose here is not to get out of prison, which he's in. He's behind bars. Uh, he's uh, had restrictions around him, but he knows God has a purpose for him here. He says, pray for me in this place that I may declare the mystery of Christ uh, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. So it's a Paul has discovered his purpose, and Paul in this is modeling for us that we need to be a people that uh, discover the purposes that God has for others and then join together in praying for them that we may partner in prayer. While this emphasis on prayer, well, God has chosen for, for some reason to connect his work with our prayers, where we see God work powerfully in people's lives and in this world it is connected to prayer. Pray for us as well that God will. Pray that God will that we may. And it's almost as if the, the prayers uh, we pray bring down the walls that get in the way of what God has purposed us for. So why would we neglect prayer? Why would I ne neglect prayer and not devote more time to it? Because Prayer is, is, is work. Uh, something that requires devotion is, is something that uh, you do in season and out, out of season. Uh, maybe Ellie always thought that I was devoted to work is because it's something I give my heart and my time and my life to. To be devoted to prayer means that we give our heart and our time and our life and we push through difficult things uh, like Times of praying and not getting what we want in prayer. We continue to pray confident that God will, that we may. And in the middle of that, paying attention to how God might want to redirect or correct or encourage us in that place of prayer. He continues on, verse 5, Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of your time. We, we all know that we should make the most of our time, that we shouldn't waste time, that time is precious. Uh, Paul here tells us about his priorities in the middle of the time, that we are to conduct ourselves wisely towards outsiders. Who, who's he talking about as an outsider? Uh, well, Paul carries on the mission of Jesus, that the kingdom of God, that all will come to know the love of God through Jesus comes through him. So, so Paul sees outsiders as those who don't know the love of God themselves, who aren't walking with Jesus, and his heart's desire is to even be in prison, that they would know the hope that is found in Jesus and the life that comes in his name. And so he's saying, use that time, that time that you have with people that don't know Jesus wisely. Because that's precious time. Make the most of it. Conduct yourselves wisely, remembering the privileged position that, that each of us have in being a witness to Christ in that place. So he continues. And so in the context of outsiders, verse 6, let your speech always be gracious 
seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. A lot of the time when people have heard Christians talk, uh, they hear Christians speak quite judgmentally towards outsiders. And Paul's saying, don't speak in that way. Actually, speak graciously. Actually, don't correct people because they are living a way that you don't think lines up with the way that God calls us to live. They're outsiders. Speak words of grace. What what do words of grace do? They extend grace to someone. They draw others into the grace of God communicated through us. Let your speech be gracious. Then he says these words, uh, that it will be uh, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. So when you're hanging out with people who don't know Jesus, speech that's gracious. So that's give people uh, not what you want to give them, not what they deserve, but the unmerited favor of God in the way that you speak to them. And then let your speech be seasoned with salt. Uh, Salt is a preservative. Salt adds flavor. We had fish and chips last night and they're not the same without salt on top for me. And so there's a bit of salt. uh, Even Ellie likes a bit of salt on her little chicken nuggets. (laughs) Uh, Salt adds flavor. Uh, When my mother-in-law makes soup, she doesn't add pepper or salt, so I need to add the pepper and salt in order to draw out the fullness of flavor. When you prepare meat to be cooked, you you put a bit of salt on it just so it draws things out. Uh, Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Uh, Let me put it differently. Speak words worth preserving so when you're talking with someone who's an outsider the words that you choose to use speak words worth preserving that if your words were to hang around in someone's head they would be words that uh, are gracious uh, seasoned with salt that someone wants to remember and, and think on this would almost be something that you could say with any conversation when you're talking with someone speak words worth preserving Uh, so often we speak words that should be just kind of thrown in the bin Uh, we speak words that are flippant we speak words uh, that are unkind what if we were to speak graciously words worth preserving that when people thought of the words that we spoke to them they will be encouraged in heart and be led towards the love of God. Speak words worth preserving. That's how we ought to answer everyone. So imagine if the words that we spoke were all written down. Someone wrote everything that we spoke, and then we were to read it back, would we say, those those are great words. I'm thankful that I spoke those words because I know they would have been encouraged by that. Maybe if a book was to be written by us or... Uh, I I think on my sermons in this way, if I was to look back and and someone had written down all the words from my sermon as a record because they wanted to keep it, are those words worth preserving? Or are those words that should just be washed away by the sand of time rather than drawn out as salt? Paul uh, covers a lot of things in this last little section of Colossians. We're not going to dive deeply into all of it. Uh, But Paul is very much in recognition that he can't do the ministry that he does apart from the ministry of those who work with him and support him. Uh, 
and well done on all the names, Bev. You, you did an excellent job of reading all those names. Uh, we, we have lots of great examples that Paul wants to draw their attention to. We have Tychius. Uh, he's a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant. Uh, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And what we see with each of these people is God has a purpose for them. And in the middle of that, we can go, oh, these were great people, and assume that God doesn't have similar purposes for each of us. I want to draw your eyes down to uh, Epaphras. Uh, and he is down in verse 12. Uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greet you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. A lot of what Paul has been speaking about in Colossians is this, the, the truth about Christ and then how we may walk in maturity as Christians. So what is the truth and how can we walk in the fullness that God has for us? But in the middle of Paul teaching on these things, there has been a guy called Epaphras who has been wrestling in prayer on their behalf so that they may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. Uh, Paul says... Uh, that verse Colossians 1.28, it is he, Christ, whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle. And so alongside Paul and his teaching and bringing wisdom is Epaphras as the person who is praying. So I wonder... For you, who is your Epaphras? Who is the person that is doing as Epaphras is doing, wrestling in prayer for you? Uh, as a church, we, we have started a, a new rhythm of gathering together on a Thursday night uh, every week to pray. And one of the prayers that we are praying for you is a prayer of wrestling that you will grow in maturity. Why grow in maturity? Why would we want that? It's because fullness of assurance uh, of everything that God wills comes in that place of standing mature. Verse 12, that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. When we're anxious, are we fully assured? Not at all. When we're mature, do we feel fully assured? Absolutely. What is Paul's will for us through the book of Colossians that we will grow in maturity? What is what we need people wrestling in prayer for for us that we would stand mature, that we would live fully assured? What does fully assured look like? It looks like someone who is confident. That as the, the, the waves and the winds of life come and they blow, we're not tossed to and fro like a little boat without a, uh, a rudder, or without an anchor, without a keel deep in the water. Actually, we're, we're anchored deeply in faith but when we're not confident we're easily tossed to and fro by the things of life and anxious and overwhelmed and i'm not saying that being in that place is wrong i'm saying that there is more 
if you find yourself in an anxious and overwhelmed place, that as you grow in maturity, confidence comes through Christ. That in those places where we feel the waves of life come towards us, we should know that uh, in those places, God wants to bring maturity and assurance to us that life would not direct our, our path, that life would not blow us around, that instead we would be able to stand firm in Christ. So, so who is your Epaphras? Uh, we, as leaders, would hope to fulfill that role at some level. But then who are you an Epaphras to? Let me encourage you that there's people that God has connected you to that he wants to see maturity happen in and that's only going to come through something that God has given you to give to them. And so let me encourage you to be devoting yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it that God may direct and instruct you to the people he has called you to invest maturity in and pray for that they would grow up in Christ. Uh, Paul uh, writes all of this to us in chains. He's not saying, take the chains away. He's saying, God has purpose for me here. Grace be with you. He has the grace that sustains him uh, to be imprisoned, which all of us will go, is a terrible situation. But he knows God's purpose for him. So my prayer is that you would grow and mature in Christ. That in that growing and maturity, as you learn what it looks like to be a person that is devoted in prayer, you would discover that God has a purpose for you and that you would see that fulfilled because prayer has opened a door.